welcome to the Elijah Fire Podcast, where we jump into issues of today with faith and freedom instead of fear. And now here's your host, Jeff Tharp. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to Elijah Fire, episode 219. Thank you for rolling with the punches today. We're starting a little bit later to accommodate two amazing guests from the other side of the world. Technology is amazing. Blows my mind. So cool. Uh, One day it'll be like from another planet. I don't know. Um, Today is Thursday, April 20th, 2023. Uh, Guys, if, if you have been feeling like you've been stuck in like cycles of sin and you just can't get out, um, you start doubting your salvation. You start doubting if you're even fit for the kingdom of God. This episode is 100% for you. And even now, some of you guys, some of you regulars are thinking there are a couple of people that come to mind that could really use this message. You can forward that to them now and say, yo, check this out. It's live. Stop what you're doing. Some of you guys are probably eating dinner right now. So, um, I feel very honored that you are le- allowing us to join at your table. Uh, so it's going to be a great episode, you guys. Uh, also, I wanted to remind you, uh, you once again, that starting next week, Monday, April 24th, we are officially going down to three days a week for the next two weeks. While Elijah Fire, the Elijah Fire team, the Elijah Streams team, most of them, and many people from the Elijah list are all going to Israel. Woo! I'm very excited. I've never been to Israel before, and uh, my wife and I have been very uh, anxious to get out of the States. Uh, we've been antsy, um, and uh, just because, you know, we used to be in missions, used to travel a lot, and so uh, we we flew down to Florida for our 10-year anniversary that was in 2021, and we were both like, man, this was fun, but we kind of want to leave the country. That sounds really fun. Um, so I'm, I, the day has finally arrived. I'm very excited. So we're going down to three days a week, guys. These episodes are absolute bangers. They're so good. Um, and God really showed up. So we worked really hard to just kind of like, okay, we got to just like, we got it. We're going down to three days a week for those two weeks, but we got to give them just absolute awesome, awesomeness, scrumptious, tender morsels of, uh, episodes. So they're going to be great. You guys. And then Monday. May 8th, we are back at full capacity five days a week. That's going to be fantastic. We got a great lineup then. Um, So yeah, there you go. I will remind you one more time tomorrow. And then I will remind you again on Monday when we officially, you know, the whole thing. So it's going to be great. Um, Also, anytime you guys donate to ElijahFire.com slash donate, all proceeds go towards keeping this free at five days a week normally it also gives us the flexibility to go down to three days a week if we need to um but we have a new uh well video update from uh, the good people who we've partnered with show mercy international so we're going to be playing this and then we're going to get going with this amazing episode all right um, so sorry, I totally was spacing out because I was trying to do something clever. Don't don't mind me. Um, so again, I want to thank you guys for those donations. Completely transform these communities because of your donations, um, and uh, and it's all because you guys believe in Elijah Fire, believe in Elijah Streams, uh, but also every single time you donate a portion of that donation, even if it's a dollar, even if it's $5, even if it's $20 is going to go towards those efforts. And these lives are completely being transformed because of your donations. So, um, 
My guests today, most of you know who they are, but some of you don't. They're ministers. They're also amazing Bible teachers, and they're incredibly encouraging, um, loving, loving people. When I think of model Christians, I think of these two, quite honestly, as I've gotten to know them. So let's give it up for my guests today, Costin and Mandy Woodhouse. Hello. Hey. hey welcome back both of you this is your second time on together yes very Come exciting but your first time doing it from your new home yes, yes. from your new home yes. so yeah so australia come yeah on. come on now come on now um <laughs> so you uh mandy i don't have it i was trying to be clever and this says free indeed. I was going to say, this is her new book. Uh, and that's what I was doing when my head was down. Um, and I was, I thought I was, I was waiting for a musical cue and I wasn't paying attention. So you just re-released a book. Yes. And my wife and I had the pleasure of being able to write an endorsement in it. And both yes. of us were absolutely blown away by this book. So guys, a couple of weeks ago, a month ago, I, uh, we had a guest on named Kara Starnes and she wrote a book called um, defend yourself. And it's about this very subject, but I was reading this book around when we had her on and I immediately was like, I'm going to plug this book that Mandy wrote and Costin, you, uh, also wrote a chapter that was absolutely dynamite. Um, <laughs> but this book also coupled with that other book, I just see it's like some of the best books I can think of to really get ourselves out of this um, wrong mindset. So we're really gonna be diving into this, but guys, there's a link in the description. It's an Amazon link. Go ahead and do yourself a favor and just buy that book. If you see somebody who's struggling right now with stuff, buy that book. It's a really, um, it's it's jam-packed, but it's also a quick read as well. It read, yeah. Mandy is a really gifted writer. So is Costin. Um, and I just can't say enough good things about this book. So buy this book. <laughs> I'm endorsing. You guys know I don't always endorse books, but when I do, I will endorse it very, 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 uh, very hard. So um, link is in the description. I will be also plugging it probably intermittently throughout. <laughs> but um, we are going to be talking a lot about what's in this book, correct? Yes. Yes. Yeah. And can I make a comment too about um, Amazon in Australia? So I was so confused because I kept going to Amazon in Australia and it said like $46. And I was like, what? I have not priced my book at $46. And so I reached out to the printing company that helps to market the book. And so if you're in Australia and you go to Amazon Australia, you have to scroll down where it says other options. I don't know. Amazon Australia is very different from Amazon in America. I really miss good old Amazon <laughs> Prime in America where yeah. you can have something delivered the next day for like $12. Yes. Um, so if you're in Australia or New Zealand and you go to amazon.com.au, you've got to make sure to scroll down a bit to the other options where you will actually get it for the normal price, not for $46. Mm, yeah, <laughs> I don't know why they do that, but there's different options on Amazon Australia. So awesome. All right. So let's jump in. What, what are we talking about? Because you guys know how you want to kind of go into this conversation. Yeah. So officially state, what are we talking about today? Just freedom, freedom yeah. in Christ, yeah. freedom from sin, the ability to walk in freedom without, uh, 
shame, without guilt, without feeling like there's a constant internal battle that you have to fight for the rest of your life to be a real Christian. Mm -hmm. You want to add anything? Yeah, we're going to break some mindsets around, you know, what it is to be a new creation as well. Break some mindsets about um, some scriptures, uh, particularly one chapter of Romans we'll talk about later. Yeah. 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 (laughs) All right. So um, let's just jump into it. Um, Just take it away. Wherever you guys want to start. You guys are the teachers, not me. So So look, the whole reason for me writing this book, um, there were several, several things that the Lord was speaking to me at the time when I wrote this book. But the biggest thing was the idea that I grew up in an environment. I grew up in church. I grew up in in an environment where I felt like I was constantly stuck in a cycle of sin. I was constantly stuck in having to beat my flesh. I was constantly stuck in this like, um, I do, and Kasim does a better job of this than me. Yeah, the hamster wheel. But there's like this little cycle. Like I, I draw a little, a little thing. Like you're doing good. You're on fire for Jesus. Everything is good, and then you slip up. Mm. Maybe it's something small, like like a little white lie. Maybe it's porn. Maybe it's mm. whatever it may be. You slip up. So then you go through this cycle. You feel guilty. You beat yourself up. My my personal cycle was I would read like Psalm 51, create in me, O Lord, a clean heart, you know, and then I would Mm -hmm. go and read Romans 8 because there's no condemnation. I'd make myself feel better. I'd repent. I'd do better, pick myself up, keep going until finally I would slip up and fall again. And it was this constant cycle. And I didn't know how to get out of it. I knew I was called to ministry. And a lot of this happened while I was in ministry. Man, which I'm sure brought about a lot of shame as well. Oh my gosh. And then you feel like you can't be real with the Mm -hmm. people that you're ministering to. You feel like you're a constant fake, a constant phony. Um, I always equated the, um, and and I I was actually taught this, okay, from amazing, look, I grew up in some amazing churches, so I'm not having a go at any church or Mm -hmm leader or religion or anything but we just didn't know it's like when you know the truth the truth sets you free and so i'd have questions and i would i would go to my leaders and i would say how do you get out of this cycle of sin um explain to me romans chapter six why does he say why does paul say that we're dead to sin what does that actually mean and no one could explain it to me so I'd, I'd actually do things like skip entire books of the Bible. <laughs> like I wouldn't read <laughs> James because it scared me. Uh-huh, and I, no, I get it. I you get know, it. and I'd yeah. like skip over parts of like, I think it's first Peter where it says, be holy as I am holy. Yeah. Or first like, John where you're like, yeah, let's go. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And I'd like skip over like, oh gosh, I, I'm like, I, I, I don't understand it. And then. Mm-hmm. I got to a place in my walk with the Lord because I love him um, and I didn't want to be fake with people I was ministering to. I wanted to understand and no one around me could explain it. And so um, I knew, I remember reading in Rome, um, in John chapter eight, whom the sun sets free is free indeed. 
And I was like, okay. And when, when I learned that the New Testament was written in Greek, I would look it up, you know, I'd try to get a concordance and look up what do these words actually mean. Uh-huh. And it means free. It means actual freedom. Free indeed, like free, like you are free. You are yeah. free. Free from the domain of sin is actually what that Greek word means. And I didn't understand how that was possible. And I'd have conversations um, after beating myself up. I'd have conversations with pastors. And I remember having a conversation in university age. I was called to missions. Um, I was really struggling with an insecurity, which the insecurity caused me. And I, I go into into it in my book. Like It's very real. Hand. Like, it's uh, honestly, it, it's great. Yeah. The like, because I'm pretty transparent, pretty vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I I had a strong fear of man, and I that caused me to like lie. It caused me to like make things up and to d- do things out of response to fear of man. And every time I would do that, I would feel so much shame and guilt. I'd feel like I wasn't worthy for ministry. I wasn't yeah. worthy for a relationship. I wasn't worthy for any of these things. And um, I spoke with a pastor and said, I I hate my flesh. I don't know what to do about this. Can you explain to me whom the sun sets free is free indeed? What does that mean? I believe that Jesus died for my sins. I believe even John the Baptist looks at Jesus and says, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He doesn't say, behold the Lamb of God who will cover all of your sins. He takes it away. And I couldn't understand new creation in Christ. I could go on and on. What does that mean to be a new creation? How am I a new creation if I'm still doing X, Y, and Z or X, Y, and Z for my Americans? (laughs) How un-American of you, Amanda. (laughs) (laughs) You know, and, and the conversation went, I, I'm I'm sharing my heart with this pastor right. who says to me, I'm like, I hate the flesh. And the pastor's response was, um, so did Paul, and he battled sin the rest of his life. And I walked away feeling so, and he quoted scripture, he quoted Romans 7, and he quoted, um, where is it, chief of sinners? Which, oh, yeah, First Timothy. First Timothy, which that's actually not what that means. Mm. And, um, and, and we can debunk that later, but yeah, I walked away and that actually, like it was so discouraging. It, it left me feeling like I didn't even want to be alive because I was like, why even be a Christian then? Just take me home to be with Jesus now. Why? Like, obviously, I love Jesus. I want to be in heaven with him. Mm -hmm. But why even like have me living on this earth if I'm going to battle like this for the rest of my life? What is the point of that? Mm -hmm. What is the point of going and telling people about Jesus? Are we just getting them to heaven? Is that the only point? I knew there was more. I knew there was more. And so I went on a journey I was a cognitive dissonance in my heart and my mind. I was like, there's got to be more. There's got to be more. I went on a journey and then, and um, I'm talking wow. a lot. I'll have to let my husband no, hop good. in. It's awesome. But, it's but, so good. you know, we, through, through uh, a number of friends who were getting this revelation about transformation in Jesus Christ. Um, and a friend of ours who wrote a book called Awake to Righteousness, 
Um, there's just a, a number of things and Costin in his own journey in the same sort of arena, which he can talk about later. Uh, we just, the Lord began to speak to us and began to show us from scripture. And we're not the only ones. I mean, we, there are plenty of people who are, who are preaching the same message, but we were like, oh my gosh, like this is what it means to be free. And so I did a first release, but the reason I did the second release, because I know some people ha- would have read the first release. Mm-hmm. I I feel like the second release has more clarity. Um, first of all, he's got an awesome chapter. Just and it ex- is awesome. <laughs> explaining what Paul is actually talking about in mm-hmm. Romans 7. And he goes and- in depth. It's not like in this. Depth. You know, foo foo, just kind of, um, you know, just kind of like, what is it? Um, eisegesis, where you like take one verse and you make it into like whatever you want. I mean, it, you go in depth, and that's yeah. what I loved about it. So, yeah. yes, and he's wrestled and and spoken and with other like theologians, and he's he's gone through this for the past few years. Mm-hmm. But also, I just wanted to make it clear that although I do believe that we can walk in complete freedom, mm-hmm. that that um, sometimes we do still need help. Mm-hmm. I do believe in counseling. I do believe in deliverance. Yeah, I do absolutely. believe in inner healing. I do believe because, you know, my whole life thinking <clears throat> I was a dirty, rotten sinner and and that all these issues, I'd never be quote unquote mature. I wouldn't be a mature Christian until I learned how to get my flesh under control, beat my flesh into submission. Uh-huh. You know, I, to me, that was the mark of Christian maturity. And, and you know what? Side note, I would see people that I looked up to and when they fell, when leaders and pastors fell, I fell even harder not because I had idolized them or put them on a pedestal, but because I was like, there's no hope for me. Wow. Wow. Which is like, like that, that, mm. and, and anyway, that's a whole nother subject. But I remember feeling that I remember watching someone go through an affair when I was university age and um, I won't say how old I am now, but I'm not university age anymore. <laughs> <laughs> like college, college age, age. Yeah. You're over but, 20 um, you know it's whatever yeah. i'm over 20 yeah. that's all you need to know <laughs> <laughs> but um you know just thinking there's no hope for me if if that person was gonna mess up if that was a secret sin in their life or whatever like mm. what hope do the rest of us have so i i but then at the same time the holy spirit was speaking loud and clear no i've called you to freedom So sorry, going back to what I was saying, though, with needing help sometimes, like when you do have things that you've grown up in cycles of sin or you've grown up with wrong mindsets or you've grown up having to not knowing how to take your thoughts captive or whatever, you start to build like structures around yourself that need to be ripped down. And sometimes Holy Spirit does it like that. Sometimes like people get saved, boom, the outside already has caught up with the na- the new nature inside. Other times, um, I- I'm fully convinced, we are fully convinced that your nature is new, that on the inside you are new, that sin has been removed from your nature, mm-hmm. okay? Sometimes we need help on the outside as well, especially up here. 
So that was the reason for the re-release of the book because I feel mm. like the first one, I didn't make that clear enough. And I also felt the Holy Spirit say that this guy right here has such an anointing to set people free with that mm. Romans 7 thing mm. that I needed to include him in that. So, mm. yeah. So good. So good. Yeah. Um, man, I think this, this topic is a very real, what you just described, Mandy, a lot of people can relate to like yeah. a lot. Um, yeah. because there is that, there is that, um, I, it's funny when I had read your book there, I would already been kind of mulling around those things of like, you know, it's interesting that people talk about like, you know, the thorn in my side and. It, like Paul's talking about the thorn in my side and there's all these like weird theories about what that yeah. is and, um, uh, or thorn in my flesh and, and, um, and, and we've, you know, and also his whole thing of, you know, what I, what I don't want to do, I do what I, you know, and then vice versa, um, you know, uh, what a wretched man that I am and all that. Yeah. We're like, ah, oh, see, Paul is saying that he's, you know, sinning and he's all these things. Yeah. And um, and so as a result, it does generate a measure of hope, hopelessness within people. Yeah. Of like, what is the point then? Like, okay, I'll just, I'm always going to, I'm always going to deal with flesh. And look, I have people on the show and, and we did, we differ. And I think it's important to be able to have these conversations, but yeah, I lean on the side where you guys do where, cause there are some people that, that I love and I respect that have the view of like, you're always going to deal with sin. You're always going to deal with your flesh. Um, and to a degree, maybe that's true as you get, you get sanctified as you're, as these things are burning away. But at the same time, I, I think I carry more of a view of what you guys talk about where we are new creations. Like, and mm. what does that mean to be a new creation? And if yeah. we are new, then that means that we are going to behave differently. And that yeah. we have access to different things. So that actually, I mean, people have been hearing me quote, you know, the, the, the verse of we're seated with him in heavenly realms and talking about that being from a strategic, that's a strategic place and yeah. imagining myself on this like huge platform that's floating in the air. It's not even attached to the ground. It's floating in the air and then observing the enemy and realizing for a long time that I had, I, even with just certain things in my life, even reading your book, Mandy, like. I realized that there were certain aspects that I I looked at from a a position of being on the ground surrounded by the enemy where you're like, man, I can't even get a read on this battle. I'm surrounded <laughs> by people. They're all in my face. And realizing, hold on, even in this area, I am seated with him in heavenly realms. So if yeah. I'm seated with him in heavenly realms, that means I'm in a strategic position. God, yeah. open my eyes to the, the things at my disposal. And, and even just if you yeah. think about it, being in an elevated position versus being on the ground, the, the level of clarity that can bring you like a general yeah, yeah. in like a medieval battle, a general looking out over the battle sees yeah. things differently. Hey, he can command troops differently than if he's some grunt on the ground. Cause we're not grunts, you know? That's right, um, yeah. So yeah. It, amazing. So good. Yeah. I was uh, like, you know, the, going back to what you were saying, like, um, wretched man that I am and chief I'm the Paul says he's the chief of sinners that word actually in Greek what's the Greek word you know oh, I think it might be something off the word protos but 
but it it actually means like let's say old school pac-man right uh-huh. and you're at the arcade and i remember going to the skating rink in middle school mm-hmm. and there was this my cousin jared and i always would play this like pac-man arcade thing there was this one kid whose initials were always at the top (laughs) and we could not beat this kid no matter what we couldn't beat this kid we found out later that the kid was only there like to visit his grandma (laughs) for one summer and crushed it yeah he crushed it and no one could beat him right that's what that word means the kid's no longer there the kid doesn't live there. The kid doesn't play Pac-Man. The kid played Pac-Man once or twice and was at the top of the list. That's what that word means when he says, I'm the chief of sinners. doesn't mean that he's continuing to sin. The word in Greek actually means that he was. So it's a, a more past tense thing. Yeah, than, yeah, yeah, he set the record that no one could beat because Paul was Saul. Yeah, and if you go back, he protests. He, um, Way to go, Costin. Yes. You get what I'm saying? Like you, you couldn't beat you couldn't beat him. And so, so I would I would hear these things and I would talk to people and I would actually, you know, um grew up very conservative, then got filled with the Holy Spirit. And so I, you know, I have a, a list of different denominations that I have uh-huh. been in, involved in yeah. and, and I felt like no one could give me an answer. People would always just point back to that because they didn't know what else to say. Mm-hmm. Well, we're always going to struggle. And then one day, um, probably about eight years ago, seven years ago, I was in the shower talking to God, thinking as a dude, washing my hair, crying oh, yeah. out to God. I don't understand. The best times. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think that I had really struggled with something that day. And this book was kind of in the back of my mind. I had writ- had not written it yet. And I remember saying something to God to the effect of like, I don't want to struggle with this all my life. Like explain to me like why Paul struggled. And I felt like he said, well, Paul didn't struggle. And I was like, what? And I heard the Holy Spirit say, as if I would ever justify your sin. Whoa. And I was like, you're right. Because people would pull these scriptures out of context to justify sin. And like, God doesn't want to just, why would he, why would he do that? that. He doesn't do that. Yeah. And for me, that was a massive thing. That was the beginning of a, of a, of a walk of freedom. And it actually made me want to dig in deeper, you know? And so the book is very, um, like I, I call it a non theological, theology book because I'm I'm a prophet and so the book is full of encounters that I've had with the Holy Spirit that he's used to teach me alongside scripture mm-hmm. and so I am very and I'm a teacher so I'm very like like give me an encounter give me a story give me a uh, an illustration to be able to understand. Yep, I'm the, I'm the same way with that. I will say though, it is loaded with scriptures. Like yeah. it's theologically sound. It's not like you guys are just pulling things out to try and twist this. But I do look at like I do feel like this comes in conflict with maybe someone who has more reformed theology. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, where they're yeah. like, well, hang on. Um, 
and have, you know, there are sects within Christianity that have taken verses and kind of used them to kind of lord a single verse that maybe even our passage is taken out of context or not taking into the context the whole of scripture. Costin, you've been really great at teaching people that throughout the course of the time that you've been on here. Um, but uh, yeah, where so I can see where this type of a, a teaching could butt up against someone who mm -hmm. has that. But the reality mm -hmm. is that you are going into scripture. You are, yeah. this is why I talk to people all the time on the show. I'm like, you have to dig into scripture. You have yes. to do word studies. You have to learn how to do word studies. Yeah. Um, and they're, you know, uh, it's so important because a lot of times the, the Greek and the Hebrew will break down, right? Mm -hmm. it, it, there's just not a, a word that compares to, and I'm still learning too, guys. I'm not, like, I, I have not arrived at this. It's going to be a lifelong journey, yeah. but it is so important. And the more you do that, the more you get fired up and you're like, scripture is amazing. Yes. yes. It is amazing. It is so cool. And then when you find out like a word in scripture actually means something even bigger and better and you're it's just like you're like what else what else in here i have to know yes. Yes. So, um, that's what i loved about your your book um and just yeah. the way that you guys teach as well is it's very authentic to that too so yeah, yeah. look i'm gonna read second corinthians 5 17 through 21 speaking of scripture let's talk about some scripture yeah. and then i'm going to share a couple of the encounters that i had and then I'm going to let Costin share an encounter he had that we called the bouncer vision mm, and let him good. talk about Romans seven. Cool. 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 So, okay. So let, we let scripture speak for itself, by the way, with the help of the Holy spirit, I need to add that. And Galatians says that we cannot do any of this without the help of the Holy spirit. One of the reasons he's given us the Holy spirit is to be able to walk in freedom. We can try to understand it. We can have, try to have faith and we can try to believe and we can try to understand scripture and we can try. We can't do it without the Holy Spirit. That's why we need fellowship with him yep. because he he's, he's key to any of this and he's key to understanding this. And the spirit of wisdom and revelation comes through the Holy Spirit. So we need him. Thanks for listening. The Elijah Fire podcast is made possible by donations like yours. To become a partner, visit ElijahFire.com slash give. So I'm going to read 2 Corinthians 7, sorry, 5, 17 through 21. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All of this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. I love that. 
And Galatians 2.20 talks about how we've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer us that lives, but it's Christ that is living and at work inside of us. Okay, so we have been given a new nature, a new creation. It's not coming from the inside anymore. Um, the whole, not. Sin is not coming from the inside anymore. Holy Spirit said to me, too, that I said, so So if all of this is true, then why, why do I still sin? Mm. And he pointed back to Adam and Eve in the garden. <laughs> and Adam and Eve were created in the image of God. And the serpent came and he lied. And he said, oh, if you eat this fruit, you're going to look like God. And so they ate the fruit. We know the rest of the story, right? They already looked like God. They were made in the image of God. Eve believed a lie. So when I choose to sin... Let's say I choose to tell my husband a lie, okay? Because that used to be the big thing for me growing up was lying because I was so terrified of what people thought. Fear of man. I'm so terrified of everything. Fear ruled me, right? Um, so I lie to get out of this or I lie to get out of that or whatever. It's because I'm believing a lie. Hmm. I'm lying because I'm believing a lie because I, I'm not putting my trust in him. I'm not realizing who I am in Christ. I'm not realizing that he set me free. I'm not, you know, it, people um, will fall into to temptation with different things. And it's because that they're believing the lie that that is going to give them satisfaction in that moment right. instead of going to God to get their needs fulfilled. And that's how the enemy works. It's just all lies. And we think, oh, it's me. I'm yucky on the inside. It's coming from inside of my yucky heart, my nature. And it's actually not. You're, you're new on the inside. It's up here that needs to be renewed daily. And so one of the, the most powerful encounters I had was, um, <clears throat> so Kostin got a hold of this revelation way before I did. I remember reading uh, my friend Mark Greenwood's book, Throwing It Against the Wall. It's similar to mine. I threw it against the wall because I was like, how can this be true? <laughs> Why has no one told me this? <laughs> <laughs> I was so angry. And Kostin's like, oh, babe, like, blah, 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 blah. and he's sharing all these beautiful things with me, the bouncer vision, which he'll share in a yeah. second. And I was like, I want my own revelation. I don't want to live in my husband's. I, yeah. You know, I'm not just going to regurgitate what someone else says. Mm -hmm. So I'm, um, Kasim was gone. And I think it was middle of the afternoon. I'm laying on my bed. I'm crying out to God. Give me revelation. Give me understanding. I want to know what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. And I fell asleep. And I dreamed that I was sitting in a mud pit with Jesus. And the mud represented like my sin and my yuckiness, right? The things like the things that would go through my head, like, what's wrong with you? There must be something wrong with you. You're not mature. You're not good enough. You'll never be this. You'll never be that. You don't have what it takes. You're never going to be free. That's that. All of that was in that pit with me. Jesus was sitting in the mud pit with me and we sat there for a second and it was sort of, he had this attitude like, okay, are you done now? Come on. <laughs> so he picks up, you know, grabs my hand, picks me up, pulls me out of the mud pit. And then next thing you know, we're standing by this beautiful babbling brook 
and he begins to pour water over me and oil. And the water and the oil are washing things off of me. And he looked me in the eyes, Jesus did, and he said very clearly, it's being washed off of you, not out of you. And let that sink in, people. Let it sink being in. washed off of you. So it was there. It was grossness. It was there. But it was being washed off, not out. Off, when I, not out. When yeah. I woke up, I had oil on my forehead and the clock showed only like a minute since I wow. had fallen asleep. Wow. So I don't mm. even think it was a dream, it was just some sort of encounter with mm-hmm. the Lord. That really stuck with me. Um, so good. The second, another one, and all of these are in my book. Another one was that I had um, a really smelly foot. it was like stained and it was really smelly and I like I had stepped in dog poo or something Mm -hmm. I couldn't get it off and I was so terrified that other people were going to smell it because no matter what I did I couldn't get it clean so I tried new shoes new socks I tried turpentine and bleach I tried getting a pedicure And this was an actual dream. Um, Couldn't get it off. Couldn't get it off. No matter what I did in my own strength, I could not get it off of me until I let Jesus come. And Hmm. Jesus came and he washed it off. And I felt like that was just a representation of how we feel. Like, I've got to cover it up. Maybe I can get rid of it this blah, blah, blah. (laughs) Well, you know, maybe these nice new shoes. People will notice my shoes and not my sinful behavior, you know, Hmm. and it's actually you just need to let let Jesus come and wash it off of you. Yeah. So good. Um and then one more and then I'll pass it on to I love Kasten. this next one. This next one's really powerful. Oh gosh, a dream I had <clears throat> that I was um trying to remember what well, the book next to me if I need to look it up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, <Good> notes, yeah. <laughs> um so powerful. This one was more recent. I had this just like couple of years ago, this dream that I was doing like pastoral visits at different homes. And there were families at these homes and the families, um, I think were not needy. They just, yeah, I was just doing pastoral visits. I was just, you know, loving on people. And in each home, there was an elderly gentleman, a little bit emaciated, just kind of like hovering. And I I had a weird feeling about the old man, but he was in every home I would go to. And some of the homes they were struggling and some of the homes they were just dealing with stuff. And so I, I remember, um, and it's a long dream, so I'll try to condense it. But basically I was like, whoa, who is this old man? So I, I began speaking to the old man and each old man had the same story. He said, they, um, tolerate me they they feed me and they let me stay here but Mm -hmm. he wasn't part of the family interesting and so i confronted one of the families and i said hey and and it was the same story in each home so i went to one of the homes and i said to the family like who is this old man and they're like uh we don't really know we just feed him we just kind of like let him hang around you know and so the dream switches and i'm like in 
like warfare intercession for these families. And then I look over at the old man and because I've been in warfare, I've been in intercession, my eyes are opened. And when I look at the old man, it was actually a dead corpse Mm, that was being held up by demons. Wow. And he was being tolerated and fed in each of these homes and each of the homes were having some issues. Mm. And that's the old nature. That's the old man. We feed him. We tolerate him when he is a dead corpse that was crucified with Christ on the cross. Yeah. And we have to leave that old nature on the cross. We can only do that with the help of the Holy Spirit. Hmm. We're dead to sin. Whom the sun sets free is free indeed. So if we're still dealing with it, yes, sometimes we need help. Yes, we do. We do. Mm -hmm. But um, that's not actually our nature. That's not actually who we are anymore. Hmm. So, So good. On to my amazing husband. I love that last vision of Mandy's. You know, um, do you remember that movie Weekend at Bernie's? Yeah, I was thinking yeah. the same thing. Yeah, yeah. Like Weekend yeah, at yeah the millionaire guy dies and then they try to pretend he's still alive. And I feel mm-hmm. like the devil's like that. Hey, no, totally. Pretend like <laughs> I keep thinking of those picture, a picture of like two little demons on top of each other's back with like a trench coat over uh, the top. Yeah. And then yeah. the dead man's kind of hold it up at the face. So you can see his face, but you don't realize that. There's these yeah. two like demons on each other's Yeah, yeah, show, yeah. yeah. Enemies like that. I think it's the lie. He's like, oh, you're still that same old person, but not the person died. It's just a couple of demons faking it, mm-hmm. trying to lie to you, basically convince you that you're still the old person. Yeah. It's such a powerful vision. Hey. Yeah. Come on. Um. So this is this is a bit of a this vision that I had. It's a bit of a um like a, a bit of a mind shift breaker, a mind a mindset breaker. Um, I remember getting this revelation that my old self really is dead. So I'd gone through cycles of sin, especially things like porn and lust, mm-hmm. just over and over again. I think I've shared a bit of it in the past, uh, uh-huh. maybe in past episodes, Jeff. And so yeah. I remember, and 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 a whole bunch of um, visions around realizing, hey, like like I got frustrated a bit, like Mandy was describing. This has got to be more. This can't be the Christian life, and um, and so. I get this revelation, just walk in radical freedom and I'm starting to share it. And I, I generally, I generally do it just from the scriptures, just so that it's not just my doctrine or my, you know, right. or my experience. Mm-hmm. And um, that's safe, by the way. Like yeah. it's got to be, the scriptures have to say it and say it clearly. Mm-hmm. So I'm beginning to share this revelation and I um, had uh, a youth group from Ohio um, come down to where we were in South Carolina and I'm sharing this revelation with them. And radical freedom, a lot of young people there, especially young guys. And I had a couple of them come to me and say, hey, like, especially guys struggling with lust. And they, they said to me, you know, like, I, I believe you. I see it in the scriptures. But, man, I've, I've surrendered it to the Lord and all, just all the stuff that many of us, like many of the people listening, you relate to. Like, I've, I've gone, I've, I've surrendered, I've prayed, I've, and I'm just not seeing it break. So I said to the Lord, show me something. Like, how do I explain this in a way that people can grab it and actually apply it to their lives because it's it's great if i can prove it from the scriptures but if it can't be part of your life then you know i'm really i'm wasting your time and mine you know Mm -hmm. and so i asked the lord this question it instantly boom he takes me into this um this vision so i'll set the scene of this vision 
I am um, in a church. I think like a fairly modern sort of church background with a nice modern stage and all the chairs and stuff like that, auditorium style. And I'm on stage and I'm preaching. And so in this vision, that's what I'm doing. And on the stage are these two massive guys. They're all in black shirt, a black shirt and black pants. But like think like ex special forces, like and and big guys to the monster big guys. And they've got the word temptation written across their shirt in white letters. So imagine that two big guys are on the stage, huge guys, and they've got temptation written on their shirt. Um, and then at the back of the stage is a girl. And um, forgive me, I'm not trying to sound crass. I'm just yeah, no, you're good, man. Yeah, no, I know, I know about this. Yeah, you're good. Um, and she's dressed as a prostitute. So she's very skimpily dressed. Mm-hmm. And she's sitting on, against the back wall of the stage. And she has a rope um, around her neck. And on, hanging off the rope is a piece of wood. And uh, the piece of wood says sin. Hmm. So she's at the back of the stage. She's skimpily dressed and she's got this piece of wood hanging from her neck and it says sin. Front of the stage is two massive bouncer guys. Like we call it the bouncer vision. And they've got temptation on their shirt. So anyway, then it, it, it plays out like a, a play, like a scene, and it plays out three times. So what happens is every time it plays out, I walk from the, I mean, I'm just in front of the stage. The stage is kind of lifted up a little bit. And I walk from the left side of the stage and I walk across. And as I walk across in front of the stage, these two massive guys who have the temptation shirt, they're like security guards almost, and they run out and they grab me and try to pull me towards the girl at the back of the stage who represents sin. So, you know, you might think, oh, how are the big guys' temptation? Don't think of them as, as in the guys are tempting. Think of them as they're the force or the strength of temptation trying to pull you towards sin. Mm-hmm. So I walk past and then these guys see me and like, boom, and they start running towards me and grab me and they pull me towards sin. So the first time it plays out, I try to resist them. So mm-hmm. I try to fight them. So the first time around, as we play out this scene, I'm resisting temptation. Now imagine I'm, uh, I'm about 87 kilos. I think uh, what that is in pounds. Um, not super huge because you look it up. I'm looking it up um, right now. Kilos. So I'm not the biggest guy in the world, right? I imagine you got these guys. They're like, you know, they're like 250, solid muscle. About 189 and a half pounds. So I'm 190 pounds. Uh, I'm not a tiny guy, but I'm not exactly big. And um, but these two massive guys, you know, they're like 250, solid muscle. Uh, and so my chance of resisting these guys is extremely slim. Hey. Yeah. Yeah, you know, like you're going to try and fight two, two like ex-special forces security mm-hmm. guard guys. Yeah, you're done. Yeah. You're done. <laughs> I mean, I've got like a, a one, like a 0.01% uh, chance. Yeah. Maybe if I'm really quick, maybe slipping out of their grasp and running away. Yeah. So the point of scene one is that resisting temptation doesn't work. Hmm. If we could resist temptation, then we could just live under the law and live holy. Yep. yep. Um, so, so God shows me, hey, resisting temptation doesn't work so then the whole scene resets so imagine you know the instant rewind and um and we're back at we're back at like um back at the start of the scene what do you call that in a you know 
um, back to one. Back to one. We're back to one. <laughs> yep. So I'm at the edge of the stage again, out out on the side. Two big guys on the stage. The girls at the back, and then um, this time I walk into the the room and I look to my left and I see these two big guys on the stage. So instead of going past the front of the stage, I kind of take a big hard right turn. I go around the back of all the pews and the seats, kind of get my way around to the back of the back of the auditorium, kind of try and sneak past past you know the sound desk you know everyone knows modern <laughs> church um set up and and I, and I kind of try and go around the back and um what i'm doing is i'm trying to avoid temptation mm. and so that's like my second fail or, or defunct you know a, attempt at trying to live life free from sin so try to avoid temptation mm. and everybody knows it doesn't work because you can only avoid temptation for about five minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, you, know, like, you know, you think of things like, um, you know, a guy struggling with porn, so he tries to never be in a room by himself with a computer or whatever. Doesn't and take the, the problem away. Me, what's that? Doesn't take the problem away. It doesn't take <laughs> the problem away. Yes. Exactly. No, that's that's exactly right. And what yeah. will happen in practice is that eventually you'll find yourself in temptation and even then, even if you isolate yourself, which means you'll live a dysfunctional life mm-hmm. because you never go anywhere, never do anything. You'll never have meaningful relationships because yes. you'll always be trying to avoid that situation. So you end up with this dysfunctional religious mm-hmm. lifestyle that doesn't work anyway. And sin happens um, through the mind and heart gate. So you really don't actually need anything, any external stimuli except the enemy yep. speaking to you, give you a thought, give you a feeling, give you whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and um and it, and it, and you haven't successfully avoided temptation because he can just come you know and 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 uh bring a, a dodgy thought or dodgy feeling yep. or you know whatever whether it's lust or hate or anger you know like an unholy anger or whatever yeah he doesn't need any help yeah. um um from from a you know so so avoiding temptation it doesn't work yeah so then we reset the scene back to one and I come in from the side. But this time I bring a, a friend of mine who's a pastor in Atlanta. Now, this man is a really, um, he's just a picture of holiness and, and of faith. He's such a great man of God. And, um, and he's a big guy too. Ex-military, um, beautiful soft heart. So you'd never guess that he's ex-military except for the fact that he's, you know, really built. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, and, and so he walks in with me. And when these two big bouncer guys come to grab me and pull me towards sin, when temptation comes, he tries to assist me. Now, this is a picture, and some of you probably guessed it already. It's a picture of accountability. Mm. I'm going to pop a bit of a sacred cow here. Mm. So we all know, like, accountability is good, but it doesn't solve the problem of sin. Yeah. And I tried it all. That, like... Don't think I just get this same. vision and God's like speaking. Yeah, no, yeah, same, absolutely. Yeah, look at and so we've gone yeah. through all the motions. We've tried mm-hmm. resisting temptation, tried avoiding it, and then so then you start building structures into your life like accountability. Now, accountability, heart accountability, where you're really transparent and real with each other, that builds like holy, safe relationships, but it doesn't solve the problem of sin. Yes. That's right. Again, I'll say something intensely theological if accountability solved the problem of sin, then I could live under the law and live holy. I just need your help. Like we just, you know, help yeah. each other. And then, we, but, but actually doesn't solve the problem of sin. We wouldn't need the blood of Jesus. Yeah. Um, 
that's an intense statement. I just really want to cut that off. Yeah, so that's that, good. I know yeah. a lot of it's myself. I did everything right, right? When I was struggling yeah. with, with lust and porn, I had you know, accountability, with my, like transparency, probably a better word, with my wife, accountability mm -hmm. with friends and pastors in my world. But I still yeah. went through the cycle up and down, up and down. I'd get into a place of freedom and then back into sin. Yeah. Accountability is great, but it doesn't solve the problem of sin. Yeah. And even just for the sake of the... Um, the illustration that God showed me, the vision that God showed me, even with his help, my chances of resisting temptation, they were higher, but they still weren't great. Yeah. Of course. You know what I mean? And I can't take yeah. my friend with me everywhere. Yeah. And I certainly can't take him in my brain and my heart. Like, so as soon as the enemy brings a thought or, or something my way, I went on my own, I'm vulnerable. And so it doesn't work. Mm. So we've got um, resisting temptation, avoiding temptation, and accountability. None of them actually solve the problem of sin. So about this time, you're like, okay, we need a solution. And I, that's exactly what I was thinking when God showed me this vision. I'm like, man, we need a solution. Mm -hmm. So it resets back to one. And then God brings us a solution. So I walk into the room. And the two, and I walk past the stage. And the two big guys they come to run straight at me to grab me. And then I look down and realize that um, I've got a, a lanyard around me. And on top of it is this, is this like pile of, you know, ID cards. You know, when you go, like you get backstage pass at like a, uh, a VIP, baby. Oh, yeah, yeah, the VIP. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and I've got that. It's my, it's my identity. You know, it's got, you know, hey, you see those things and they've got a picture of you and it's got, you know, some writing underneath it and, and, you, and maybe a picture of your driver's license or something like that, you know. And it says, you know, backstage pass, not in my vision, but, you know, you know, you see people and they've got like a pile of stuff on that mm -hmm. lanyard and look very important. Anyway, these guys come out to grab me and I grab my, my identity and it's got a picture of me and it says dead to sin. When I grab that and show them they actually don't touch me they back off now you know if you walk through say the backstage to some superstar if you get anywhere near that door that the, the security is going to be on you in a second right they're going to be you're going to be out of that building mm -hmm. in seconds they're going to grab you shut you down mm -hmm. and then take you out of the building <clears throat> but if you've got the id the identity with you that's appropriate mm -hmm. they won't touch you they don't have permission to touch you in fact they'll yeah. treat you with respect yeah and, um, you're like uh excuse me i'm the owner's son and that's how they react to me but this is so so knowing my identity that i'm dead to sin it doesn't just stop me from sinning it actually disempowers the, the force or the power of temptation. So it's not just, hey, you know, I'm struggling with temptation and then I get my identity out and somehow it like helps me win the battle. It actually shuts the battle down because no longer does temptation have any power because I realize I'm a new creation and I don't have innate desires for those things. Yeah. I've seen it shut things down. So I've have, you know, the feeling, I can almost feel it coming from the outside now where like like lustful feeling will come and I'll be like, no, I'm I'm dead to sin. I'm a new creation. And I'm like, wait a second, I don't actually desire that. 
and it yeah. loses its power. Yeah. It actually yeah. loses its power. I'm not being tormented by temptation. Yes. It's lost its power. I'm like, I never desired that. It's a lie. Mm. So the the truth about my identity shuts down. If I walk in and I know it and I'm able to use it as the weapon that it is, I'm able to debunk the lie that I'm actually attracted to or tempted by that thing, whether it's it lust is an easy one to demonstrate because of the way that it, it's such a visceral sort of force. Of but yeah. um, but even things like greed. I remember after getting this revelation, I um I remember being at work um in America one time, I was in a coffee shop, and I looked in the till, and you know, there's cash in there. I remember smiling. I was like, oh my gosh. Why would I ever like why would anyone ever want to steal money? Like I just I've got no desire for that. Like it just mm-hmm. it was a revelation, a realization of who I really am in Christ. I'm like, man. So you would think, so that, that's powerful. Just the reality that your identity, knowing the truth about who you are in Christ, that you actually are dead to sin, can shut down the force of temptation and it's got to take its hands off you. Yeah. Yeah. Really but quick. That's not actually where the, sorry, go ahead. Uh, I was going to say really quick. I want to go back to that. That um, just to hit it a little bit harder. The whole thing about the cash register thing, because there are going to be people that someone may actually really struggle with stealing, right? Yeah. So it's, it, but you don't. And I've never had a desire to like. I've handled thousands upon thousands of dollars in my retail experience when I worked in retail for over a decade um i never once had any any even momentary temptation to steal from the till never okay so what you're saying though is important because it's saying like someone else might the, the fact is is like it's not about the the money or it's not about the lust like the reality is the same degree that i don't have a desire to steal from a till it is possible to also have to that same degree not even a desire to look at a woman in lust or to uh act out in anger or to gossip or whatever the case may be so because we look at i think the the thing that and i'll let you talk again but like the thing that we look at uh, oftentimes with this old mentality is like i don't deal with that but i'm always going to deal with this thing but what scripture promises us Mm -hmm. is that all of those things become uh, non-issues. That's right. When we recognize our true identity. Exactly. So yes. yeah. So let that sink in, you guys. Yeah. Look yes. at an area of your life. You can even do it now as as Costin continues to talk. Look at an area of your life where you literally have zero temptation in. God wants to 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 bring that across the entirety of your life, and He promises that through what Jesus did on the cross. It's good. That's like good news. Um, and, you know, sometimes God, Holy Spirit just spoke this to me. Often we will measure um, like our level of struggle with something by the intensity of the temptation in a certain area. Yeah. So we're like, oh, yeah, you know, yeah. in my, quote, unquote, in my life, you know, uh, I don't struggle with with greed or, or covetousness or the one, you know, want to steal. But, you know, maybe I really struggle with uh, with lust. And then you measure it. But I, I actually think that's a lie and God wants to debunk it. That, that that's not true about you. Mm. Um, it's not even a reflection of who you are. It might just be the area the enemy is, has decided to go after in your life, but that's not a reflection on you. And so don't measure it as a measure of your personal identity or your um, 
you know, or I've got a tendency towards this sin or that sin. I think it's actually a massive lie. Mm. Um, and uh, the Lord, want, uh, sorry, the enemy wants to make it like a stronghold where we're like, well, I'm never going to crack that, that yeah. area, that nut because it's a real stronghold in my life. It's a real tendency. I think that's actually a lie. Help Elijah Fire continue to make an impact around the world. All donations go toward making Elijah Fire and the Elijah Fire podcast possible. Visit ElijahFire.com slash give and become a partner today. No, it's not a reflection of who you truly are. And when you yeah. break that thought process, see, when you're in the moment where the, where the temptation comes, and this is, where, this, is, this is where it really, the rubber meets the road on this, being able to stop, put the brakes on the whole thought process. And I'm speaking to, to, to you now, like when all the people listening, when you're thinking about this, being able to grab that moment and go, hang on a second. Maybe it's true that this isn't who I am, that I actually yes. don't desire this. Yeah. That's not who I am. You watch what happens if you challenge that, that thought and go, hang on, this is not who I am. Actually, I don't have a desire for heroin. I don't, and I know, I know I'm going like at, at the jugular with that. Yeah. Um, I don't have a desire for porn or, or for, it could be, you could be trapped in adultery. Like I don't have a desire for this and watch your, if you really believe it and you, and you enforce it with the scripture, read Romans six, it says, having been freed from sin, we became slaves of righteousness. If you take that scripture and meditate on it and, and speak it out of your mouth, Watch it break. Like there's, there's hope there. And it might not all happen at once, but Jesus has already, like he's already done it. Yeah. So you're just entering into something that's already done, but this is where it meets. There's hope. that It's really real. It's not who you are anymore. Yeah. And when you, when you get to that place, you're like, hang on a second. No, I am a slave to righteousness. I don't desire sin. Watch its power begin to crumble. Yeah. Whether yeah. all at once or step by step, you'll see it's a lie. It crumbles. Yeah. Yeah. Can I ask you something really, uh, really quick, Costin? Because this actually just got brought to my mind. Um, what about the people that say I just have an addictive personality? I mean, Mandy's got a revelation burning, so I'll pass it to her in a second. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, uh, I could be really blunt and say, "Look, where is that in the Bible?" <laughs> I mean. Uh, yeah, you know, and, and also, <laughs> I mean that that's that's good to say that, right? right? But we need to break it down into something that's useful for us, right? Because you can just say that, but that doesn't change anything mm. in our lives necessarily, unless unless we understand and believe what's behind all that. You know, uh, sin is a slave driver, so by its very nature, it wants to enslave people. So whether you think you have an think you have an addictive personality or not, it is the nature of sin itself to want to enslave you. Come on. And the very definition of addiction is to have to do something regardless of whether you want to or not. Yeah. That's 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 a simple um, you know, and people can talk about chemicals and all this sort of stuff. I actually believe that the spirit realm overrules the physical. Yeah. Um, I've seen it where people's chemistry, brain chemistry is changed because they yep found the truth and broken something or there's demonic things happening. And that when that d- demon goes, yeah. the brain chemistry goes, it's no different from healing, right? When the, mm-hmm. if there's a d- demon involved in a sickness, the demon goes, the sickness goes, the body actually changes. It's yeah. subject to the spirit realm. Yeah. Um, but uh, so 
as far as saying you have a predictive personality, I mean, whether or not your experience of that has been true, I would, if I was you, uh, and I used to, I used to identify with that, that whole thought of having an addictive personality, um, I would challenge it mm. because the enemy deals in lies and he wants to keep yes. you in bondage. So he's like, if, if the identity in Christ thing fails, like if he's like, oh man, I've lost that ground, he'll try mm. a different lie. He's like, oh, well, maybe you have an addictive personality. And really he's just gaslighting you. Like he's just mm-hmm. trying to bend you yeah, to, so to keep you in bondage because it's all yeah, he's got if if i'm a bouncer at a door and i no longer have the right to physically stop you then if i want to keep you out i could tell you lies and say well hang on a second no 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 i can't physically stop you from going into the door to freedom but hey what if i just stand here and tell you hey you know what you don't deserve to go in there you've got an addictive personality and you of your own volition don't walk into freedom because the enemy lied to you man don't let him have that Get angry, like tell you know what, stuff you devil. So good. I don't know whether this is the whole addictive personality thing is true or false, but I'm going to believe God and walk into freedom. Yeah. It makes me think of our friend Serena, who has given me permission to always share her testimony. So, um, Serena, when she gave her life to Jesus, was walking in a homosexual lifestyle, and she believed she was born that way. She believed that is that's who she was. She fully gave in to every temptation. And then after about six weeks of her being saved, filled with the Holy Spirit, she sat down with me and she said, I'm not gay. She's like, how can I be? I've, I've been born again. I'm born again. On, and when you're born it. again, regardless of how I think I was born, uh-huh. she's like, I've been born again. And so, yes, she's had, you know, to have some help. And this is where the help comes in. Yeah. You know, she's had to walk through like counseling and things like that because sure. of the um I guess the demonic strongholds that had built up over years of giving into that lie. But she is called to go back into that arena and like share with with people and let them know, hey, you can be changed. Jesus transforms you. Mm-hmm. So whether you have an addictive personality or not, my whole family I come from a family of alcoholics and um Lots, lots of stuff. I wouldn't expose my family history, but that's all that can be broken with me because I am born again. And because Christ has transformed all of that. What I was going to say earlier is one of the things I talk about in my book as well, is that when I'm, I have struggled with things and, um, custom will always say to me, okay, ask the devil, where's his proof? you're always going to struggle with this. Where's your proof? And often he'll lie to me. Well, remember that time you did this and remember that time you did that and no one invites you to this and you're this and you're that, you know. Um, Satan's then, a legalist. Like Jennifer yes. Ubez says, Satan's but, a legalist. Yeah. The word says, right, that even if I have done something wrong, okay, um, First John, I think one nine says that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. So therefore, you the the enemy has no legal ground any longer to accuse you. If you have confessed your sins, you've repented. He has cleansed you of all unrighteousness on the outside, not on the inside. You're cleansed. 
So then you go back to scripture and Costin has helped me with this a lot. What does the word say about you? Okay, let's say that out loud because faith comes by hearing. Mm. So even when I don't feel like I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, I don't feel like a new creation. I feel like I've messed up. I feel like I should be ashamed. I have to say it out loud so that I can hear myself saying it until it becomes a conviction. Then when I say it with conviction, it's like poof, all of the proof that the enemy had, there's no proof anymore because God's word overrides that. And the, yeah. my conviction in, in that overrides it. Mm, so so that's what I wanted to share. Awesome. <laughs> I'd love to talk about Romans seven in a second. Yeah, I was just um, gonna say, man, let's go. Because I feel like it's like the it's like the little buzz in the background, like, oh yeah, you're saying this, but what about Romans? The 7? elephant in the room. Yeah, yeah. Yes. And, yeah. Um, I want to um, I want to shoot that lie down about some um, a massive like error, <laughs> just a massive pr- presumption about what it means and what it's talking about, um, and. Ah, it, it had me for years as well. Yeah. Um, do, do we reckon we should do dirty to first or not? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, we're just having a little discussion here, folks. So, no, you're good. Uh, <laughs> strategic. Oh, good. Um, at the end of my vision, the bouncer vision, something I didn't expect happened. So if we can pull us back into that vision for a second, um, you know, where, where I have the identity, I, I say, I show them my identity, these two bouncers, and I say, dead to sin, um, when the bouncers backed off, I thought that would be the end of the vision because I'm like, oh, yeah, free from sin. Awesome. I get to walk without being dominated by sin. You know, it's possible to actually walk in freedom. I'm thinking this and the vision keeps going. And what happens is I actually walk straight past these two bouncers up onto the stage and I walk to the back of the stage. Now, by this time, it's almost like most of us, I've almost forgotten about the girl at the back of the stage um, who represents sin. I walked to the back of the stage. I remember she's scantily dressed, right? She represents very much a picture of lust, right? Sure. Yeah. And she's got that, that piece of wood hanging from her neck that says sin. Now, before I got a revelation of my identity, she actually represented a severe temptation in my life, right? This whole lust thing. Mm-hmm. But because I was free, I, and I knew who I was. I was grounded in it. It wasn't just me being willy-nilly and trying to put myself under bad situation. Because I had identity, I, a revelation of my identity and I walked free from that sin and that temptation, I walked straight up to her. I reached my hand down and grabbed hers and I lifted her up out of her, out of her sort of shame. And I took the, the wooden sign and I flipped it over. And on the back of it was written redemption. Wow. Mm. Here's the deal. Because I, had a, because I had come to know the truth about my identity in Christ, I was able to walk free from the controlling power of temptations like lust, which meant that I could reach into places and reach people that in the past would have been a stumbling block to me. Yeah. I'm able to have in, intensely deep and meaningful and loving, pure relationships with all the females in my world because I'm no longer subject to the dominion of lust mm. and I'm able to reach people who are, let's say, um, 
let's say she she is a prostitute or, or let's say a girl is being really flirty or whatever i'm actually able to love and reach them yeah. with purity and pull them out of their situation into redemption yeah. where they previously represented a temptation and an opportunity for sin to me that's really powerful yeah, yeah. So there's a massive fruit, not just for your life to walk in freedom, but for your ability to actually shine in the world and reach people because you have a transformed life. Yes. And it becomes a testimony. Romans 7. Romans 7, so skip that either? Yeah. Okay. Do Romans 7. We can, if we have time, we'll end. All right. Uh, so. Let's talk turkey about Romans 7. Let's talk turkey about Romans 7. That's that, got that to be an Aussie thing. <laughs> Let's get down to business. Yeah. I never which one is which i'm like is this american is this australian i don't <laughs> yeah. know anymore. so let's read the little portion of romans 7 that that everybody quote unquote everybody um would be thinking of when we talk about paul paul apparently struggling or uh-huh. um, this is a christian struggle and so on let's read it it's, it's verses 14 through 25 so what i'm going to do costin is and you're reading an NAS, nasb 1995 version is that what you're yep. reading so it's 14 through 25 yeah yeah, yeah. this Big is time. this is huge and pivotal to our all our theology so like this and now um punch in there we go if I was to show you my Bible, I've got an NASB 95, and it's probably one of the, I think it's probably the best translation out at the moment in terms of um, accuracy and readability at the same time. But if you have a look at my Bible here, let's see if I can get it uh, there, you'll see that I have scribbled out that heading, The Conflict of Two Natures. Interesting, yeah. Okay, and that's the, unfortunately, they put that in there because yeah. it shouldn't be there. That shouldn't be there. That's absolute rubbish. All right. So we're going to cover that part up right there, there on the go. screen. There we go. Um, but let's read it first, and then I'll talk about why that's wrong, that that little heading. Now, remember, that heading's just there um, added by um, translator, publisher, et cetera, et cetera. And we're not having a go at anyone. Don't. Right. I got you. Um, so, for we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of flesh, sold into bondage to sin. For what I am doing, I do not know, do not understand. For I am not practicing uh, what I would like to do, but I am doing the very thing I hate. But if I do the very thing I do not want to do, I agree with the law, confessing that the law is good. So now, no longer am I the one doing it, but sin which dwells in me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. For the willingness is present in me, but the doing of the good is not. For the good that I want, I do not do, but I practice the very evil that I do not want. But if I am doing the very thing I do not want, I am no longer the one doing it, but sin which dwells in me. Now, that's, the, that's kind of the guts of it. I find then the principle that evil is present in me, the one who wants to do good. For I joyfully concur with the law of God in my inner man, in the inner man, excuse me. But I see a different law in the members of my body, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin, which is in my members. Wretched man that I am. This is some people, I've even said this myself mm-hmm. in the past. Wretched man that I am. Who will free me from the body of this death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So then on the one hand, I myself with my mind am serving the law of God, but on the other hand with my flesh, the law of sin. Okay. So, so, so that's, that's, that's the one, hey, Jeff. Yeah. That's the classic 
And and both Mandy and I have had experiences where either somebody or even our own thought processes have gone to that verse and gone, this is why I'm struggling. And I'm yes. like, uh-huh. Yeah. And, and, and sometimes and it's sometimes, a justification. Sometimes it's, it brings yeah. hopelessness. Sometimes you're like, well, I sin, but like, check this out, you know? Yeah, it's, you know, it's okay. Yeah. And we've just gone through a very healthy um, grace revolution for 20 years where people are getting revelation. There's no condemnation for those in Christ. Yeah. But I've noticed that it's kind of, that on the extreme end of that, it's kind of uh, often for some spheres, it's become this ugly sort of justification for sin. Because people are so afraid of condemnation that if they lose their justification for sin, they're going to have no, no nothing to stand on. Yeah. And so there's a fear factor about freedom, where they're like, "Well, if freedom's possible, then I'm then I'm condem- I'm under condemnation." No, um, that's a, don't let let go of that because there's freedom available to you. Yeah. It's both. You have forgiveness and freedom. Yeah. So let's talk about this. What it means. Um. I could talk about this for, for a couple of hours. So we're going to have to pick out battles, right? Because we're going to get the 10-minute the, the version. So let's nail just a couple of really clear things mm-hmm. about what's going on in Romans 7 and why the Apostle Paul even goes there. Um, for starters, uh, John 8. So that's the classic uh, John 8, uh, 32. If you'll know the truth and the truth will make you free. Yeah. Uh, and then down in verse, I think it's uh, 34, 36, it says, um, uh, if the sun makes you free, you'll 36. be free indeed. Yeah. 36, right. Yeah. The context of that freedom is freedom from sin. Jesus, so, so Jesus says, you, you Jews that, that continue in my word, you'll be my disciples indeed, and you'll know the truth, and the truth will make you free. They respond to him and say, hang on, hang on. We're the descendants of Abraham. We've never been slaves to anyone. Yeah, so he says, you're going to be free. And they're like, what do you mean? Like, we're not anyone's slave. Jesus' response to that is he who commits or practices sin is a slave to sin. So the context of freedom is actually freedom from sin. You want to talk about addictive personalities. You've been set free from it. If there is such mm-hmm. a thing, you've been set free from it. Come on. But the context is freedom from sin. So if Jesus is talking about freedom from sin, surely when Paul explains what Jesus is talking about, he's not going to contradict that, right? Mm-hmm. If you read Romans 6, it, it talks all the way through. Um, your old man has been crucified with him and the body of sin has been made powerless so that we would no longer be slaves to sin. For he who has died is freed from sin. So Paul's not going to contradict himself. Even in verse uh, in chapter six, in verse uh, uh, seventeen and eighteen, it even says, "But thanks be to God that though you were slaves of sin, you became obedient from the heart to that form of teaching to which you were committed, and having been freed from sin, you became slaves of righteousness." Um, verse fourteen says, "For sin shall not be master over you, if you're not under law but under grace." So there's this there's very clear that. Paul is preaching the same thing that Jesus preached, which is that the gospel and the new creation crucifies your old man and makes you new. And now you're not a slave to sin anymore. That person died. Mm-hmm. That sinful nature, that sinful person, the old Carsten Woodhouse, the old Mandy Woodhouse, the, the old Jeff, they all died. That's right. And they were buried in baptism and you were raised to life. And now that sinful nature is gone. Mm-hmm. And now you're no longer enslaved to do everything that sin 
tells you to do, you actually slave to righteousness. It's your very it's in your very nature to live in holiness as you live in communion with the Holy Spirit and with Jesus, oneness yeah, with Jesus. Come on. That's the truth about you. So why would Paul contradict that in Romans 7? Well, he's not going to. So let's make a couple of really clear statements. For one, these verses, 14 through 25, are not talking about two natures. Specifically, they're not talking about a war between the flesh and the spirit. Come on. There's, not, there's no mention of the spirit in those verses. Yeah. No. <laughs> So I, I got it. This is the kind of classic sort of Pentecostal charismatic doctrine of, of sanctification. It's like, well, imagine you've got two dogs inside of you, a spirit dog and a flesh dog, you know, like, and, and if, you feed, if you feed one more than the other, it's going to get bigger and win, right? Uh, many of you have heard that, uh, that, that teaching or, or, ver- or some version thereof, like some illustration that's very similar, right? The problem is that the flesh dog died already. Yes. You can't feed a dead dog. That's right. So that's not what Paul's talking about here. Hmm. When he says, so if you, if you get into your Bible, if you've got that NASB, one of the few times where, where I'm not pumped about, about something added to the NASB 95, scratch it out. Like Dead Poet Society where they rip the front page <laughs> out of their, their, their poetry book, scratch it out. It's not, it's, where, where's the other nature? There's no nature there. There's no, there's no nature of spirit and nature of like sinful nature and new nature fighting each other. There's nothing, that's not what's going on here. What Paul is describing is a conflict between his mind and his old sinful nature when he was in the flesh, when he was the old man. Mm-hmm. Because the whole point of Romans 7 is to explain to those that knew the law that the law was good, but it doesn't have the capacity to make you good. It didn't work to produce holiness. Yeah. His whole point of Romans 7 is to explain that the law was holy, but it can't make you holy. And I'm going to explain to you how it didn't work because you need to know there was nothing wrong with the law. It just wasn't the solution mm-hmm. um, to, to unholiness. The, what you needed was a new way. And that way is the spirit through faith. Mm -hmm. So he describes in Romans 7, in this portion of Romans 7, uh, and I'm not isogeting this. I'm actually tying it to the rest of the chapter. Um, For those that don't know what isogesis is, is when you pull one little bit of scripture. Jeff said it earlier very well. You pull one little bit of scripture out and then you try and give it a meaning on its own without by separating it from what the rest of it's there. I'm doing the opposite. I'm actually tying it back into the rest of the verse. Yeah, which is exegesis, right? Which is, yeah, yeah. Um, so um, so when Paul describes it, he says, how I see this conflict going on. He says, in my mind, I want to do what the law says, but then I found that there was a force inside of me called sin, and it was forcing me to do the opposite of what my mind wanted to do. So it's like I, I read the law of God because he's a Pharisee, right? He, he knew mm-hmm. the law. If you read Philippians chapter 3, it's like he says, you know, in terms of, of, of the law, like I was better than everybody, mm-hmm. uh, which is interesting because he clearly still committed sin in that when he was a Pharisee because he called himself the chief of sinners. Yeah. Uh, like he's like, I set the record, although I, the context of that might be more about him persecuting the church. But, but anyway, um, he knew the law better than anybody. 
and he tried his best because his mind knew it was the right thing to do to live by it. But he, tell, he says it doesn't work because I had this other thing. It was called the law of sin and death that was forcing me to do something different. Let me read it without going with, to, to cut it right to the chase. If you, if you just cut down into, walk down into Romans chapter 8, it says this in verse 2, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. So this battle of the thing I want to do, I don't do, and the thing I don't want to do, I do, because the law of sin and death has enslaved me, that very struggle is the exact thing the gospel has set you free from. Mm. That very struggle is the exact thing that the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from. Mm. If you want a summary of Romans 7, it's right there in Romans 8 too. Mm. So Paul said, hey, if you want to struggle with holiness, then by all means try and live under the law. It's not going to work. No matter how much in your mind you think it's the right thing to do, if, you, if you're trying to do this in your own strength, forget it. It's not going to work. Yeah. But if you believe the gospel of Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. then the Holy Spirit will come in, your old man will die, that old, that old thing will die, and you'll have a new nature, a new force, a new law at work inside of you. It's called the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Mm-hmm. And that new nature, that new law, that new force has set you free from the mm-hmm. law of sin and death. That, yeah. Um, to, to take a, a little bit out of the J.B. Phillips translation, the old circle of sin you've been set free from. Hmm. Like so, Mandy was talking about how there was like this circle of sin mm-hmm. that she would always go through. So actually, I want to go back to something that I said kind of anecdotally um, at the beginning, but I actually, and I'm kind of outing myself a little bit on purpose, no. but um, I I said something and I actually feel like maybe we should address it um, because maybe there's a better way of saying it. And maybe what I said was incorrect. Um, and in saying, uh, cause I was saying, I was addressing the fact that there are some people that come at it from the sort of, we always deal with sin. We're going to deal with sin. And then I, I said, I agree more with you guys. And I said, maybe there's a degree of truth to that in that, you know, we, we do deal with sin and it slowly gets out of our life, but Maybe that maybe that's even wrong theology according to even Romans seven. Yeah. So I wanted you to actually address what I said, and actually address it like give the correct, maybe the correct way of looking at that, um, because I I think that's important. Wow, I love your humility, Jeff. Yeah. Well, I'm learning. Like, and I don't. I like. I think people yeah. get it by now. I don't pretend to know something. I don't. I just yeah. don't. And if I don't know, like. I get a lot out of these um, episodes just as much as everyone else does, you know? So, yeah. Thanks for addressing that. I, I did catch when you said that, but it's not my place to get jumping on every comment. Yeah, um, yeah, but I really No, but I could feel it. Me. I was like, yeah. I, and it was like almost like God put a pin in it. He's like, I want you to address that later. I'm like, all right, oh, fine. Like, praise God. Yeah. So, Go ahead, bud. So good. Um, trying to remember what I was going to say now. Thank you, Lord, for the mind of the spirit. Yeah. Oh, um, it's like I can almost hear people. I can almost hear people watching this and saying, okay, this is great. Like, this is exciting. Yeah, it's too good to be true, which side note, it is too good to be true. That's why it's called the good news. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, why haven't we heard this before? And I'm like, 
I just wanted to address that real quick. Like there are other people. I, we uh, Dan Moeller, Todd White, um, some of the guys at Bethel. I, I'm hearing it. Okay, we're hearing it across the globe. Georgian yep. and Winnie Banoff. Oh, Banoffs. Oh, Banoffs are amazing. Um, but if this is freedom. Do you think the enemy wants us walking in freedom? <laughs> He's going to go hard. He's going to do yeah. whatever he can. Like, like I didn't get sleep last night because I'm never really, really nervous being on Elijah Fire. There's been a few times where I've been a little nervous and you call me out before the show, Jeff, and I'm like, okay, then I'm good. But like, <laughs> I felt sick to my stomach. I felt like I was going to vomit because because this is truth and the enemy hates truth and he hates people walking in freedom. And so he's going to do whatever he can. Sometimes he'll even use scripture and twist it to try to keep people in bondage because it's freedom. And imagine if everyone got a hold of the fact that we can walk in freedom. Oh my gosh. How would that transform the church globally? How would that transform? Yeah. This is the key to all of the stuff that we're dealing with. All of the, I'm just going to say it, the transgender, that whole community. This is the key yeah. to that. This is the key to pedophilia. Yeah. This is the key to addiction. This is the key that's going to unlock. Exactly. And so like, of course the enemy doesn't want people to know the truth. You know what I mean? Like, ah, oh. so I just wanted to address that because I could hear in the spirit people questioning that. Yeah. So, Carson, go ahead and answer. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks for letting me jump in. Man, this is like the all creation groans for the revealing of the sons of God. Yeah. Um, this is the point of the gospel, right? Eternal life with Jesus, with Jesus in holiness yeah. and with each other. Sin stuffs relationships up. Yeah. That's its very intent is to break relationship between each other and God. Um, think about it. The only thing that blows up relationships in our world is sin. Yeah. It poisons everything. And when you get rid of it, you get holy community in intense intimacy without stumbling blocks. It's amazing. And it's what we were created for. Uh, it is the expression of the image of God in community on earth with each other. Um, it's, the an- it's the answer to transgender. It's the answer to homosexuality. It's the answer to addictions. Like what you're hearing? Help us continue to make Elijah Fire and the Elijah Fire podcast possible. To get behind this ministry, visit ElijahFire.com slash give. Now, back to the show. It's why you don't have to struggle with that drug addiction for the rest of your life when you're born again, yeah. because the temptation has been destroyed um, by the, your new, by your identity, by your new creation identity. Um, and, and, you know, the course it ever wants you enslaved to do his will. Uh, that's the whole point. It blows yeah. sin blows up churches. It, blow, it you know what I mean like it, it 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 is the problem, and the gospel is the solution. Yeah. Um. So to answer your question about sanctification, ah, oh, thank you, Holy Spirit. Hmm. <laughs> You've already been sanctified. Hmm. You've already been sanctified. If you know that you're holy, then the idea of sin will become repulsive to you. Mm. I don't think we're on a, um, I'm going to take my time with this. Be careful the way I, I frame this stuff because it's so important. You know, when you, 
in in the, in the you know, under the law, when you sprinkle the elements, the, like the the different parts of the temple, with the blood, it sets it apart as sanctified as holy. It's not a process. Like you don't take you know, the the cup that's in the temple and say, "Well, I've sprinkled it with the blood of the sacrifice, and now it's on a process or a journey to become." Oh holy. yeah, man! Or even so just cleaning a dish. Yeah, like yeah. even just even more simple to like modern terms, cleaning a dish. Oh if you God. if you clean that thing, you sanitized it. Especially if you worked in food service, you go through this process of, you know, you're like, okay, I put it in this thing. It is clean. Oh my gosh, Jeff, you just That's put a it. in something that the it's scripture not, uses. It's not like okay, give it five, give it five months, it'll be clean in five months. No, oh it's clean gosh. and it's ready to be yeah. used again. Yeah, yeah. so. The same. It's a picture. The same applies. I mean, you can read it in in Hebrews um, chapters nine and ten. By His blood, you have been sanctified. Yeah. So it's not a prog- progressive sanctification process. You've been sanctified. Jesus said, speaking of cleaning dishes. Um, well, I'll give it the picture. Like <laughs> Jeff, you you heard from the Holy Spirit then with that. <laughs> You don't like. I'm in. I'm in hospitality. I work in a in a in a, uh, a wine restaurant. It's it's amazing, right? But it's the whole food safety law is really really strict here in Australia. Yeah. You can't half clean a bowl and then serve with it, and then slowly clean it up while it's being eaten off. You'll poison somebody. Yeah. Jesus doesn't half sanctify us, then take an unholy vessel and use it for holy purposes while he gradually makes it holy. Mm. You're actually a vessel of righteousness Whoa. that's been sprinkled with the blood of Jesus and he's made you holy wow. so that you can be used for holy purposes. Yeah. So as soon as you know that you're a holy vessel, you will stop using that vessel. <laughs> Illumination, I'm about to go there. You're amazing. Illumination has put uh, Matthew 23, 26 on our little background um, private chat. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Thank you, because that's exactly where I'm going to go. What Holy Spirit, come on this straight away. I feel yeah. it. The elimination's hearing it. You're hearing it. Jeff, we're, we're all hearing him. Um, and um, when you know you're a holy vessel, you're stopping your vessel for unholy purposes. Yeah. But if you think that you're dirty, then it won't blow your conscience to make a little compromise, even though you'll know in your heart, in your spirit, man, that it's wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a bit like um, Mayor Giuliani in New York um, years ago. He had a thing called broken windows policy, and what they did was they went around. They had this idea that if a building has a broken window, one broken window, then the potential or the, uh, the chances that someone will break a second window and more windows was exponentially higher mm. than if the building was clean and neat. Same with graffiti. If there was a little bit of graffiti on a wall the chances that more graffiti would happen on the wall were exponentially higher, intensely higher than if there was a clean wall. And it proved to be true. They, went up, they repaired all these things and it, and it radically decreased these two realities in the city. Um, if you think that you're a, you're a building with broken windows and graffiti, then you won't value yourself as holy. And when temptation comes, it will feel like um, it's a lie and it will but you'll feel like, oh, you know, a little compromise. Maybe it won't be that bad or maybe it, I, I'll just yield to it. But if you know you're holy, then when temptation comes, it'll, it'll irk you. Hmm. Yeah. Because you have to know who you are. You're like, oh, I'm holy. 
I'm not touching that. Yeah. You're already whole. You've been made holy. Mm -hmm. um, I often manifest like I get sick to my stomach. I'm like, yeah, yeah. Like, you're like, yeah. Bro, if you actually know you're pure, last, if you know you're pure, you're like, oh man, I'm not doing that. I'm not thinking that. Right. Matthew 23, 26. Um, he talks about, Jesus talks about, hey, you hypocrites. He says, um, you, um, you, he talks about whitewashed tombs, but then he talks about, you know, um, you clean the you clean the outside of the bowl, um, but on the inside you're full of filthiness. And then he says, first clean the inside of the cup and of the dish so that the outside may become clean also. Now, for any, especially mums listening, you know, when, when the kids do the washing up, if you clean the inside of a dish, the outside is not automatically clean. Right. <laughs> so, so that, so, and, but Jesus says, clean the inside of the, the dish or the bot or the cup so the outside may be clean also. I don't think Jesus is talking about dishes because it doesn't work. He's talking about you. Yeah. Jesus comes when you give your life to Christ, the inside gets clean. And when the inside is clean, when you know the truth about who you are, the outside becomes clean also because mm. what your new nature will manifest in your life, right? The Pharisees were trying all the external rules. This is Romans 7 in a nutshell. They were internally, they were sinful, but they're trying to clean the outside of the bowl. They're trying to obey the laws, but on the inside, there was still unholiness. What they needed was the blood of Jesus. What they needed was to die and be made new, right? co-crucified with Christ and resurrected with him so that the inside would be holy, mm -hmm. so that what was on the inside can manifest. Because yeah. what the law could not do, God did by his Holy Spirit through the blood of Jesus Christ. Yeah. He made us holy. He sanctified us. And when you know the truth about who you yeah. are, you can walk in it. Yeah, that's mm. something. And um, one of the illustrations the Lord gave me, though, uh, not though, but just in addition to that is, um, and Dr. Caroline Leaf in some of her books and the neurological pathways, she talks about this a lot, but the Lord showed me two ruts in the ground where a car had driven back and forth on, on the ground, you know, and oh, it yeah. the two little ruts. Right. Mm -hmm. And there are times though, where we know that our, we have been made clean on the inside, but because of the years of buildup of, of strongholds of even demonic oppression that we have allowed ways that we've partnered with the enemy um, it sometimes takes a little bit of time because immediately we're going to try to drive. Our brains are going to try to drive. Neural pathways. Those, yeah, those yeah. pathways. When we have, that's why the word says, Romans 12, to daily renew your mind, that we daily have to be in the Holy Spirit, that we daily, we have to be in fellowship and in communion with the Lord because we have to be able to rewrite those pathways in our mind yeah. so that our mind is going to catch up with what's happened in our spirit. Mm -hmm. And for a lot of people, it's an instant thing. It doesn't mean you're not sanctified. It just means sometimes that you need a little bit of help or maybe even a mm -hmm. type of deliverance at times yeah. because of the, the things that you've walked through. Mm -hmm. And I've added that to the book because I know that there are people that are like, yes, I know. Okay. I get this. My spirit gets it. But what if I still struggle with anxiety? What if I still struggle with whatever? Um, it, 
it it may take some time for your brain to catch up with your spirit. Yeah, well, if you think about yeah, the, those grooves and you you decide even if you're on those grooves, yeah, the effort to get off may go boop, 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 you know like you're kind of like jerking yeah. as you're get in the process of getting off of those tracks to forge a new path yeah you know? but like so. everything else as a christian it's by faith mm-hmm. by faith i believe that i have been made new that i have a new creation that that sin nature has been removed so by faith i'm going to continue even if it's bumpy at first you'll get there by faith Mm-hmm. Just taking a lot of listen to the Holy Spirit for a second. Mm. I also felt, Costin, like um, I'd love for you, because I know that this was a big one for me, the language that he uses in Romans 7, the way he says, can you explain the language? You're talking about the, uh, I don't know what I do. Yeah. Bit? Oh, man. Why does it sound like he's talking about, that's me now? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, the tense, yeah. The tense. Yeah, so some people have asked about the tense of Romans 7. So what I mean specifically is it sounds like Paul's talking about what's going on right now. Mm-hmm. I am doing the very thing I hate. Yeah. Yeah. So like, uh, a couple of things on that. Ago. Yeah. Um, we Let's see if I can get it quickly and clearly. I've heard people say that it's um, talk about different tenses in Greek, but that's probably not the real issue here. What Paul's doing is, um, imagine I told you a story. So I'll tell you a story from um, about 15 years ago. I was um, uh, uh, body surfing or like like uh, like catching waves just on my stomach without a board mm-hmm. uh, at, at a beach in Sydney, in River Beach. And um, so I'm out there, I'm, I'm catching these waves and there's a second break out the back. So a bit further out. And there's this old guy with these little palm things and flippers on and he's catching or trying to catch these bigger waves that are out the back i mean some of these waves are big like they're four or five feet and uh, he's just catching them on his guts and i'm like whoa this guy's amazing so i decide i'm gonna do it because i'm quite a good swimmer so i just i just went out to the second break the back break and i'm gonna catch one of these waves so i'm sort of playing with a few of them but then i see this like six footer come that's a big wave especially when you got no board mm-hmm. and I'm in fairly deep water. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to be fine. Stuff. I'm going to, I'm going to catch this thing. Mm-hmm. So let me pull you into present tense language. So I'm here, I'm, I'm watching this wave come and I'm like, I'm, I'm going to catch this thing. So I just start booking it. So I'm swimming as hard as I can. And next thing I know, I'm up on this, I'm riding this six foot wave and I start I'm, I'm like falling down the face of this six foot wave on my stomach, like a surfboard and I peel out and it shoots me out like a cannon. I just arch my back and my whole body starts. I'm, I'm skipping on the water <laughs> like a stone yeah. at like, I must've been doing like 30 or 40 kilometers an hour. And the yeah. people in the first break are looking at me like, Whoa, as I shoot past all these people yeah. on my stomach, I told most of that story. In the present tense, ah. in my actual language, because I pulled you. I didn't say at the start. I said I was, but then I pulled it into present tense language. Paul does the same thing at the beginning of Romans seven. He says, "When I was in the flesh," in verse five, um, and then he starts using present tense language to pull you into the story, 
Because the people he's addressing in Romans 7, he starts the chapter by saying this. I'll just read it. Um, just quote it. He says, um, do you not know, brethren, for I am speaking to those who know the law. Um, and he begins to talk about, hey, how the law was insufficient to, to, to bring us into holiness. Um, and, and then he's demonstrating, hey, you guys can relate to this because you know the law. Mm-hmm. That you can try all you like without the redemption that comes in Jesus. You can try all you like to try and live holy, but it doesn't work because you had this thing called sin on the inside. And then Paul pulls them into the story that they can relate to and says, hey, this is my experience. Now, um, for me, just saying that, that's a good explanation. But the argument is a little bit thin unless I read. Um, uh, where are we? Verse five of Romans seven, it says, for while we were in the flesh, the sinful passions, which were aroused by the law were at work in the members of our body to bear fruit for death. So he's like, Hey, while we were in the flesh, that's interesting. Hey, cause you're not in the flesh anymore. Right. Romans eight, nine says you're not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if the spirit of Christ dwells inside of you. So you can't, the devil can't use that as an excuse to keep you in sin anymore. While we were in the flesh, the sinful passions which were aroused by the law were at work in the members of our body to bear fruit for death. That's a really figure of speechy way of saying that when you're in the flesh, there was this these desires for sin on the inside. And when they met the law of God, they got excited and did the exact opposite of what the law said. And they produced this thing called fruit for death, which is actually sinful actions and deeds. Hmm. So it's like a like a machine. There's this sinful machine that was inside when we were in the flesh. And when we when the law came along, this machine's like, yep, I'm going to produce the exact opposite. Hmm. But then it says in verse 6, but now having been released from the law, having died to that by which we were bound, um, so that we now serve in the newness of the spirit and not in oldness of the letter. Paul is trying to explain, hey, there's a better way. The old way of the letter, it didn't work to produce holiness but the new way of the spirit does work. Hmm. And then he goes to demonstrate all of what it looked like to try and do this thing in the flesh under the law. It didn't work. We hmm. needed a new way. We needed the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, which sets us free from this whole cycle that, that the law couldn't get us out of. Hmm. Yeah. Oh, I know we're out of time. Come Jeff, on. Uh, now. One last thing yeah, yeah. on that, if you don't mind. No, I don't mind um, at all. In verse 14, it says, For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am a flesh sold into bondage. Sorry, wrong verse. 15. Verse 15 says, For what I am doing, I do not understand. He just makes that line. It's a really bad way to translate that sentence because it sounds like Paul's confused. Hey, he says, What I am doing, I do not understand. That's actually a really terrible way to translate that sentence because that's not what he says. He says, For what I am accomplishing, I do not know. Hmm. Really different. It's very different. What I am doing, I do not understand. Sounds like I don't understand my behavior. Yeah, yeah like I can't control right. the, these yeah. urges and I'm just like, yeah, it's, exactly. It's like a kite and then, and then, in the wind. Yeah. Yeah. And then it segues you into like this whole realm of error where you read the rest of the chapter like that. Paul's not confused. At no time in Romans 8, does he ever, sorry, in the book of Romans, does Paul ever sound confused? Yeah. He's always extraordinarily clear. Yeah. Why would Paul just be? Into externally processing when he's trying to explain the gospel, that mm-hmm. doesn't make any sense. 
But if you if you read it appropriately, for what I am accomplishing, I do not know. Then imagine a person on a treadmill trying to get somewhere. That makes more sense because he's saying, hey, as when I was trying to live under the law, I wasn't accomplishing anything. I was going nowhere. Mm. I was trying to do this whole thing of trying to obey the law because I agreed with it in my mind, but I couldn't get anywhere because there was, I was on the treadmill of sin and I couldn't get anywhere. That now is very clear. He's saying, hey, it actually clarifies. It's like, hey, you want to live under the, this is why the law didn't work for you because we're on a treadmill. We're, we're, what I'm accomplishing here, I'm not achieving anything. I'm trying to live holy, but I can't do it. The law doesn't work because yeah, I've got this wheel problem. spinning in mud almost, yeah. Yeah, it all makes sense. And then you're like, hang on a second. So now we need a way out of this thing. It's called the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, which has set you free from this law of sin and death, this whole bondage. Yeah, come Clarifies on. the whole thing. And to quote the Holy Spirit, why would he ever want to justify our sin? Yeah. We can't use Romans 7 as a way to justify us staying in sin. We can't. It's the mm. opposite. It's actually the opposite. It's the actual opposite. Yeah. So. Yeah. So even just kind of wrapping up this, you know, you know, I think, Mandy, you posed a question like, why have I never heard this? And and there's a, I always I can't remember who I was because I actually do follow different people that I disagree with. Yeah. Because I I my heart is for unity and it, it actually works out nasty stuff in my flesh that I want you know where I, you kind of get bristle when you hear something and and being like hey that's not okay like I I I shouldn't be ruled by someone else's opinion that I disagree with. Um, and so yeah. I actually follow not even just Christians, but people that I disagree with intentionally for that reason. Um, but not uh, tooting my own horn, like or anything like that. But but um, uh, there's there are people speaking out saying if anybody's saying that that there's a red flag if you say how come I've never heard this before that's a red flag. And I'm like, see, here's the thing: is all you guys were doing was addressing Romans, what's in Romans. And it's with the understanding of how the old covenant worked and how sacrifices worked. And that's what Mm -hmm. Paul is addressing as well in Romans. Um, And, and like you were talking about, even you started talking about, and then we kind of shifted it talking about a dish being cleaned, but you were talking about, you know, when you, when there is atonement, when there is a forgiveness of sin as a result of a sacrifice, it's not, okay, well now just hang out for six months. You will be clean in six months. It's, right then and there because it was a blood requirement and it was fulfilled. And that's what Jesus did for us is he fulfilled it, but he died and rose again. Final sacrifice once and for all ultimate mic drop of all time. Um, And so this isn't something new, but there is a wrong understanding of that passage of scripture, which has guided people wrongfully in a wrong mentality um, about the reality of what Jesus did on the cross. So, so good. Like, this is the good news, you guys. And yes. it's just joy. Yeah. And Roman, or, um, uh, Psalm 16 says, in his presence is fullness of joy. Mm-hmm. So if, like, that's the, that's the fruit of this, is it produces joy because it is too good to be true. Yeah, but it is true, and it's Come just on. like, man, 
So yes. yeah, I would love for you guys. Uh, I would love for you guys to pray uh, and close this out. Yes. All right. Yeah. Jesus, <laughs> we know this is new ground. Lord, would you break down every opposing spirit yes, Lord. and every lofty thing that exalts itself against the true knowledge of God? Break down every preconception and presupposition that is contrary to your truth, the truth of your word, God. Mm. Would you usher people into absolute freedom? Yeah. Ask Holy Spirit, you give people ears to hear and that you would speak to them personally, both through visions and, and, and your voice and also through your logos. Would you quicken it to them? Would you make it uh, a yes. revelation? Would you bring rhema to them so they can have a personal revelation of the truth, of freedom, of their identity in Christ? Yeah. Let it spread like wildfire, Lord, in Jesus' name. Mm. Freedom, God. We break strongholds. We break demonic strongholds now in the name yes. of Jesus. Yes. Get off, people. Every stronghold, every structure, be broken now in the name of Jesus. Yes. Get off them. Every addictive spirit, every addictive lying spirit, every um, spirit of bondage be broken now in the name of Jesus. Let the, the damn wall be cracked and let it burst, Lord God, for people where they can break through into freedom now yeah, in the name Jesus. of Jesus. I break off condemnation. Yeah. where people have um, wrongly assumed that freedom means that um, and losing their excuse for sin means that they're somehow ushered into condemnation. I break that lie yeah. now in the name of Jesus. Thank you for clarity in Jesus' name. And Lord, I ask for a global revolution and a global revelation of the truth of the gospel, of freedom in Christ, in Jesus' name, of the new creation, of freedom from sin. Lord, mm. that we're dead to sin of holiness in Jesus' name. Yeah. Thank you, Lord. Thank, Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you. Amen. Mm. Amen. Amen. Guys, this was absolutely amazing. Um, thank you so much for coming on. Um, yeah, seriously, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you, Jeff. Thank you. Yeah. And yeah. in my first release, um, I had like a number of people give their lives to Jesus reading this book. And so I just wanted to say like my email address is in this book. And if if you read it and you experience the Holy Spirit, I had people get filled with the Holy Spirit reading this book. Um, I want to hear testimonies. And so please feel free to mm -hmm. shoot me an email. Yeah. And um yeah, that it would just bless you. And don't take our word for this. Like, go and read the Give scripture. Read the yeah, and ask the Holy Spirit to help you as you read yeah. it. Yeah. Read please. Romans 4 through 8. Read 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 21. Read Galatians. Read Ephesians. Read the Johns. Uh, like, it, it's all over. It's true about yeah. you. Yeah. So, guys, you, you can get free indeed. There's a link in the description. It'll take you right there. So also, you can just, if you can hop on Amazon and just type in free indeed Mandy Woodhouse, and it'll be the first one that pops up. Um, but honestly, guys, like, I mean, we just scratched the surface. We talked for two hours, but it's a whole book full of even it's more of like this. That. And yeah. they go through even more. It's so good, you guys. Like, I'm, I'm not working this up. Like, Lauren and I both like God just like really just wrecked us like while we were reading it, you know, and it was just like, man, this is like so good and it's so needed. Um, you know, I've been saying that like, 
even like God is really highlighting repentance right now. And what better mm. revelation to realize, like to set you on the right course than something yes. like this. It's oh, like, man, man, when you know you're holy, people, yeah. I, I've heard people say things, well, if you think you're holy, then you'll never repent. I'm just like, are you kidding me? If you know you're holy, when something comes into your world that's unholy, you're like, oh my God, God, I'm so sorry. Yeah, that's so good. Like, it's like a good friendship. If, if I do something bad towards Jeff, but, but we know that Jeff and I are good with each other, like there's, there's yeah. purity and holiness and love for each other. Right. The first thing in my mind is like, man, Jeff, dude, I, I did this. I'm so sorry, bro. What yeah. the heck? Yeah, you know it's I mean? like it actually... walking walking in a spider web where you're like, like, did you like get it all off? Like that's <laughs> yeah, the yeah, reaction. Yeah, 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 all, all off. Get it all off. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Love it. Yeah. Uh, sneaky yeah. shout out to, to Cliffy, Cliff Meyer, and uh, Laurie Boudreau. <laughs> I just yeah. noticed that I'm watching. Okay, yes. guys. Yeah. Yeah, come on now, come on now. We're about letting wrap up the show now. <laughs> yeah, hey, now it's all good. Shout outs are welcome. Uh, so, guys, again, thank you so much, everybody. You can follow, uh, follow them. They have like a website that they've set up for both of you guys, where you guys are going to start posting more stuff on there. So, the link is in the description to that as well. You can follow Mandy, all that good stuff. Costin, not yet on the socials for now. <laughs> But for now, you can go on to the um, the website, and there's some stuff on there too. So thank you guys so much. Love you, Jeff. You're awesome. Love you guys. Everybody, that's our show. Have a blessed Thursday. Tune in tomorrow where we wrap up the week with Gracie Wright. We're going to be having a great conversation. She and I met earlier this week just to chat about it. It's going to be really great. You don't want to miss that. That's at 2 p.m. Pacific time, 5 p.m. Eastern time. ElijahFire.com slash donate is how you donate. All proceeds go to keeping this free at five days a week. We love you guys, and we will see you tomorrow with Gracie Wright at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time. Game on. This has been Elijah Fire. Thanks for listening. For more episodes like this, you can check out the Elijah Fire podcast on ElijahFire.com, on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can watch us live every weekday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time on YouTube, Rumble, Twitch, and Facebook. Elijah Fire is presented by Elijah Streams and is part of Elijah List Ministries. Go to ElijahFire.com slash give for more info on how you can donate today. Thank you.